This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Deanna Bartolini, an author, speaker, and retreat leader who wants you to know your faith and live not lukewarm. Hello, everyone. This is Deanna Bartolini, and I am excited today to talk to you about one of my favorite saints. And I hope uh, when you get to know her a little bit, you'll be interested in finding out more about this great woman who lived a very, very long time ago. I'm talking about St. Catherine of Siena. She is someone I have long loved and admired. So just a little bit about her. She was born in 1347 in Siena, Italy. She was a twin. Sadly, the other twin, who was also a girl named Giovanna, she died. Uh, There were 25 children that her mother gave birth to. Of those 25, 13 actually lived to adulthood, which is very sad, but common at that time in the world. Catherine was a very interesting young girl. As a child, she was the youngest for a long time. And so her family doted on her and thought she was super special. And she was very sweet. And she enjoyed making people laugh and making people happy and being with people. So she went along pretty much as a typical child. And then at six years old, she was on an errand with her brother and cousin to her sister's house bringing her something. And on the way back, she stopped and she looked up into the sky and she had a vision of Jesus. Jesus was in heaven and he was dressed in robes and a a hat as a bishop would be dressed in. And there were saints with him and angels around him. And he gave Catherine a blessing. And in giving her this blessing, she was changed as I would imagine most of us would be if Jesus gave us a blessing that we could actually see from heaven. And so her family noticed that she became not so much quiet, but calmer. And she had tremendous patience for a little girl. And she took to her heart the prayers and different devotions that the family had and really started practicing her faith even more. Um, As she grew up, she realized that what she really wanted was to know Jesus and to know God's will and to understand what they wanted her to do for her life. Eventually, she came to know that she was being called to be set apart, not as a sister or as a nun, but rather a consecrated virgin to live in the world, uh, but not to marry. Her family, of course, was not happy with this because having so many children, it was important that they be taken care of and marrying your daughter was one way to ensure that she would be taken care of. So Catherine cut her hair. She cut her hair and began wearing uh, a veil, which was not common for women who were not married at that time. However, she did not join a convent. She stayed in her family's home. And for three years, she worked really as the housekeeper in her family's home, 
it was her mother's intention to try to convince her through this sacrifice and penance that it would be better to be a married woman in your own house rather than to live and constantly taking care of other people in someone else's home. This did not deter Catherine. As a matter of fact, this is when she really began to become one with Christ in his suffering and to really look to God. And this is when she started to understand how important the idea of self-knowledge. And self-knowledge is not than what we consider it now, right? It wasn't all about me, but rather, who am I in relation to God? And that experience of true humility, of knowing that without God, we really are very, very small and almost nothing. And that having that true humility made the work that she had to do in the house fine with her because it gave her a chance to exercise her love and her patience and her kindness towards other people, which all of those are virtues, which again, help us grow closer to God and to learn true humility. Because it is only, according to Catherine, when we have true humility that we are able to know God. And the more we come to know him, the more we are led to love him. So for Catherine, knowledge of God will come before love of God. And yet, it's a, it's a circle, right? The, the more we know him, the more we love him. The more we love him, the more we want to know. The more we know, the more we love, and so on. So a couple of other interesting things about Catherine. She was illiterate, which again, for that time and place, that was fairly common. Some scholars who have studied her will say that Jesus himself taught her to read and write when she was 21. Others make no mention of it. Most of the work that we have, her body of writing, is actually not her writing, but her dictations to her various secretaries. Many of these writings she had and then dictated while she was in ecstasy with God. So she was having, I would say, like a vision. And she was very quiet and still. And in those times, she would be having these conversations with God. In fact, one of her most famous works is called The Dialogue. And that basically is a conversation between her and God. So she asks God's questions and he answers her. And this goes on for, for many, many pages, of course. And it's a beautiful, beautiful work. So not only that, but she has over 300 letters that we still have of her writings and a number of prayers as well that have at this point been translated into English that we would be able to read and learn. So what were some other interesting things about Catherine? Well, she lived in a time where women had a place. And that place was not to really be out in public or out in the world, but rather to be in your own home or if you were a, a religious sister, to be in a convent. She was neither of these. What she did is when she was 16, 
she joined a group of lay Dominicans. So Catherine was not a nun. And I think it's important to, to know that. She was not a nun, but she was a third order or a lay Dominican. And she was drawn to the Dominicans for two reasons. Because they preached and they were very concerned with the salvation of souls. In her mystical experiences with God, she realized how important it is that people's souls be saved so they don't have to endure hell or too much time in purgatory because she was made aware of how painful that was. And so at 16, she joined this group of lay Dominicans called the Mantelate, and they did about, they went about doing good work in the city of Siena, taking care of the sick, the poor, the orphans, and so forth. She even took care of people who were sick with the plague, who had leprosy. She did amazing, amazing things. Eventually, her work spread. So she was doing public work for a while, and then for three years, she went into a cell, her own cell in her home, and she stayed there for three years, tremendous time of prayer, of going into that inner cell of self-knowledge and knowing who she was in relation to God. And when God called her out of that time, he called her to a more public life outside of Siena and into the public forum and into the church public forum. And so this is where we find out that Catherine was writing letters to the Pope, who was at that time in Avignon in France, rather than in Rome. And she eventually convinced Pope Urban to go back to Rome. She went about doing good in all parts of Italy, parts of Southern France. She gathered a small community about her of priests and lay people, who she spoke with and taught and who helped her in her ministry. All of these things that she did was always hopeful in that she would lead people to God and to understanding where they were in relation to him. In the dialogue, which is beautiful, beautiful work and not something you, you read quickly or in one sitting, one of the things, just one quote that I really liked I take delight in few words and many works. And this is what God has said to Catherine. I take delight in few words and many works. And when you look at Catherine's life, you realize that her natural inclination may have been to sequester herself and truly spend most of her time in prayer. But God said no and told her that he wanted her to work for the salvation of souls in a very tangible way, in very much of service to other people. And so that is what she did. So a couple of other interesting things. Uh, Catherine had the stigmata, which are the wounds of Christ. They were not visible, but they were given to her as a gift and as a private reminder that Christ was with her at all times, and that it is in our suffering that we can be so greatly united with him. She saw Jesus on the cross as a bridge between heaven and earth, and it is by 
focusing on that bridge, that focusing on the crucified Christ, that again, we are able to enter into our inner cell of self-knowledge, knowing who God is, who we are in relation to him, and being able to live as he calls us to do. And really, what he calls us to is to love him, to serve him, to love others, and to serve others. And that is how Catherine lived her life, loving God, loving others, and serving God and others all the time. She died at the age of 33 in Rome. So she died in 1380 in Rome on April 29th, which is when we celebrate her feast day. Uh, She was canonized in 1461 by Pope Pius II. And then as the years went by, the church realized that her body of work, in particular the dialogue, was something that is it withstood the test of time. So it was written in 1370. And in 1970, Pope Paul VI declared Catherine a doctor of the church. So there are 33, I believe, doctors of the church. Of that, four are women. St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Lisieux, St. Catherine of Siena, and St. Hildegard de Benjen. So those four women are women whose body of work has withstood the test of time and it still speaks to us today no matter how far away it was from our time now and that's how the church decides if someone should be named a doctor of the church if their work is really timeless is what we're asking right and so her work still speaks to us today and again as a contemporary woman i can attest to that i read her work And I am just filled with such deep reverence for for the words and for what she's trying to convey. And the way she conveys it in such an understandable way. Now, granted, sometimes different translations are harder to read than others. But finding a translation that works for you, you will gain much from reading the dialogue. And so that is something to really think about as we next week celebrate her feast day. One other quote that I wanted to leave you with before I give a prayer of Catherine's. It's talking about prayer. And God says to Catherine, prayer is a weapon with which you can defend yourself against every enemy. If you hold it with love's hand and the arm of free choice, This weapon, the light of most holy faith, will be your defense. And I think in our life, when we are struggling, when there are difficulties, when we can hold on to prayer and that be our defense, we are going to do well. We will do well if we hold on to prayer in that time of need and confusion and fears. I'm going to read a prayer of Catherine's. It's called, My Nature is Fire. In your name, eternal Godhead, I shall come to know my nature. And what is my nature? Boundless love? It is fire, because you are nothing but a fire of love. And you have given humankind a share in this nature. For by the fire of love, you have created us. 
And so, with all other people and every created thing, you made them out of love. O ungrateful people, what nature has your God given you? His very own nature. Are you not ashamed to cut yourself off from such a noble thing? Through the guilt of deadly sin, O eternal Trinity, my sweet love, you, light, give us light. You, wisdom, give us wisdom. You, supreme strength, strengthen us. Today, eternal God, let our cloud be dissipated so that we may perfectly know and follow your truth in truth with a free and simple heart. God, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. Amen. That is Catherine's prayer, and I will link to that in the show notes as always. And so our not lukewarm challenge this week will be, as God reminds us in his words to Catherine, that prayer is a weapon. This week, when you feel afraid or unsure or confused, turn to prayer, please. Turn to prayer like God instructed Catherine and use it as a weapon, as a weapon that will calm you, that will bring you closer to God and give you the wisdom to know what you need to do next. I hope to see you again next week and talk to you again about how to live not lukewarm. Thanks for listening to the Not Lukewarm Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe or tell a friend or leave a review. You can find all show notes and links on notlukewarmpodcast.com. That's also where you can find links to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you have a topic that you'd like to learn more about or want to tell me how the Not Lukewarm Challenge went this week, please send me an email at Bartolini at mediaangels.com.